Good Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. I count it an absolute honor to be able to share the word today and, and really every week. It's one of the greatest joys in life that God has given us this season, this time, to be able to share in this sort of a way and be connected, even in the midst of isolation, even in the midst of of a safe six that's maybe going down or moving up, depending on where you live. But today, the message I'm speaking, I really want us to all be be truly present. So if you can, maybe it's maybe it's not your norm. Maybe you usually have a couple of screens open and a few things happening. Maybe you have this playing in the background while you're doing something else. Could we just be real present today? And, and I'm going to do my best to, to be quick. I'm going to do my best to keep this moving. But there's an important question that I want us to all ask ourselves that I think is not only relevant to this season, but maybe many seasons in our life. Maybe it's the type of question that, that on a regular basis we should be pausing to ask ourselves. And this question is the, the title of today's message. Here we go. Am I moving forward or am I drifting backward? It's a great question for us all to ask. Am I moving forward or am I drifting backward? Why don't we pray together and then we'll dive in. Jesus, I thank you for your presence in this room. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are illuminating Scripture to us and you are making it real in our lives. I pray in these next few moments that we would each be able to address this question and have a bit of a game plan from you on how it is that we move forward. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we've been in this series, Ancient Future. I hope you've been enjoying it. This is such an interesting season in the life of the church because I can just say to you this, if you haven't watched, go back and watch. As soon as church is over today, just go back and get yourself caught up. Generally, when you're meeting in person, you say, if you weren't here last week, let me you know, give you a little summary. And then you get this little mini preach before the real sermon. But today I can just say, hey, go back. We've been talking about the principles of an ancient future, that as we look forward, we see a church that looks a lot like the early church, a lot like a devoted church, a lot like the church that you see in the book of Acts that, that said, we might not have everything going for us, but we have all that we need to see revival come to this earth, a, a devotion to a disciplined life, a devotion to development, a devotion to this dependency on God and a demonstration of what that looks like, a devotion to deep relationships. It's been, I think, really effectual and helpful over these last few weeks. And last week I, I talked about, you know, this picture of waiting. And I'm going to be honest, not an easy message for me to preach because it's not really an easy message for me to practice all the time. I don't love waiting. It's not like my, my go-to move. I'll just wait. But I really do believe that patience is a, a, a posture that we stand in that actually allows us to look more and more like God. The more patient we are, it's not patience because we're weak. It's not patience because we're this broken down humanity. It's patience because the image of God is on the inside of us. And our God is patient and kind. He is patient towards us. If you believe that, would you give me a little amen? You're going to have to do it in the chat. He's patient. He's kind to us. And today we're asking this question, am I moving forward or am I drifting backward? Now, for some, maybe on the immediate surface, you're saying, this is a really dumb question. Of course we know whether or not we're moving forward or backward. We just look around us. But, but let me, let me, let me phrase it this way. You ever been in a vehicle and you're kind of rolling slowly and then the vehicle beside you begins to move rapidly 
and you know you're moving and you thought you were going forward, but then for a moment there's that optical illusion where you think perhaps somehow I'm moving backward. Maybe it's happened to you like on a train or on a ferry on your way over to Victoria or Nanaimo and, and because of the perception of what's happening around you, your forward motion actually looks backward. Or because of the movement around you, it could be opposite, that your backwards motion because things around you are moving backwards more rapidly actually has the effect visually that you're moving forward. I think this happens also in our spiritual lives. There are times spiritually where truly we are going forward, but we look at the world around us and it seems to be moving more rapidly and our assumption is we must be moving backwards. Can you relate to that that feeling, that sense? Maybe you feel independently and personally like you've had a real season of growth but then you look around and you think others are growing faster and others are doing more this must be my failure this must be me drifting backwards well the truth is that the perception has just skewed what's really truly happening here's another time that happens have you ever been on a treadmill oh man on a treadmill you go i know i must be moving somewhere because i'm sweating and my heart rate is elevated, and I'm putting a lot of work in, but it seems as though with every single step that I I propel myself forward, I'm actually being pushed backwards. How many people in in your spiritual life right now feel like you're on a bit of a treadmill? Like, I'm putting out just as much output as I've ever put out, just as much energy is being exerted as I've ever exerted before, but I don't feel like I'm actually getting anywhere. And so depending on your perspective, maybe you're left saying I must be moving forward because I feel like I'm moving forward or I must be moving backwards because I just don't see the actual acceleration, the actual movement. And then I think for many, one of the reasons we feel like we're not moving forward is because we've been taught or been led to believe that unless you're moving forward, you must be moving backward. That like every day somehow you're supposed to grow more and every season is supposed to be a season marked by incredible growth. But you know, the truth of the matter is nothing grows that way. Everything in, in nature grows seasonally. Look at, look at a tree. It grows in different seasons in different ways. In the spring, the growth is beautiful and rapid. In summer, that growth is is turned and focused towards fruitfulness. In, in fall, that growth is actually the maturity of fruit. And in the winter, when some would say a tree is shrinking, no, no, it's just growing down. It's growing more effective in its root system for another season of external growth. For a lot of us, if we're not growing every single day, we just assume that must mean that I'm I'm shrinking. You know, I've said this many times, heard it many times, and it it is true that healthy things grow. In fact, if you're in a room with someone, maybe you're in a house party or watching with a family member, why don't you just turn to them and say, healthy things grow. Come on, I didn't hear everyone. Healthy things grow. That's completely true. But not all growing things are healthy. Okay, just think about it for a moment. There are some things that grow that aren't healthy. There, there is the potential for malignant growth in a cancer cell that wouldn't be healthy for you, even though it's growing. In fact, in, in a garden, weeds grow. They grow rapidly. They often grow faster than the, the actual plants that are intended to be there. And that growth is not necessarily an indication of 
health. Follow with me on this. Sometimes we gauge that question, am I moving forward or going backward simply by this? I think my life is growing. I think my perspective is expanding. I feel like I'm getting bigger and larger and better, so I must be healthy. But here's one thing that is true. Healthy things are fruitful. Healthy things grow, yes. Healthy things produce fruit, always. And fruitful things are definitely healthy. Like that's one thing you can know for sure. If it's fruitful, it's coming from a place of health. And and the reality is that fruit is developed due to the the strength of root. Like the, the stronger we are rooted, the more we have a potential to have vibrant, life-giving fruit in our lives. So I say all that and it's kind of a mashup of thoughts just to ask this question. Am I moving forward or am I drifting backward? Maybe over these last few weeks as we talk about an ancient future, it can get kind of confused in our mind or it can get kind of distorted in our mind where you say, no, no, my future is just going to look like my past. And so we just take one step backwards and we're like, this must be what moving forward feels like or we're kind of pushing forward, forgetting about what's behind and It can be confusing because the present is always confusing. This tension, this moment in between past and future, it's a confusing time, but it's also a wonderful time. I look back and I see the faithfulness of God and it fills me with gratitude. I look forward and I see in faith the anticipation of what God will do and it fills me with hope and and energy and vitality. But in the present, man, sometimes I can be just kind of deer in the headlights, just sort of standing still and stuck and Maybe even last week as we talked about waiting, you're like, yeah, I got waiting down pat. I don't know how to move. I'm totally frozen in my footsteps here. Am I moving forward or am I drifting backward? There's this story in the Bible in the book of Nehemiah. Such a powerful story. In fact, I think quite soon we're going to have to study the book of Nehemiah together more intentionally. I, I find it this really interesting, visionary, pragmatic book. And it teaches me about prayer and it teaches me about strategy and it teaches me about endurance and it teaches me about all these types of things. It's really a story about an ancient future. It, the, the whole story is about a city that is broken down and in disrepair and derelict. And, and as people begin to move back to a place that their ancestors came from, they find a city that is not only uninhabited, but it has no walls. And so Nehemiah has a vision from God to go build a wall. And, and there's so much miraculous provision that takes place. You, you'd have to read it to believe it. And he goes back and he rallies this group of people whose skills were not wall building. They were like, it, it describes like bakers and perfume makers. And we're talking about like artisans. And there they are in the city and they build a wall. And it seems to happen in 52 days, which is an incredible feat. What great leadership and structure and systems that were involved. And certainly the, the, the boldness that comes with great leadership. So many lessons from the book of Nehemiah. Well, you get to chapter 7 and the wall is built. I, I, I want you just to get the context so that what I, I say has a little bit more potency for us. They have just done something that they never dreamed of doing. They came back and they reestablished their city. Uh, chapter 7, verse 1, it says, After the wall had been rebuilt and I had set the doors in place and the gatekeepers and the musicians and the Levites were appointed, I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hananiah along, or Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because, I love this, he was a man of integrity and he feared God more than most people do. <laughs> I just love that. Nehemiah's looking around. He's like, I'm looking for good leadership. And, uh, and no one's ever like led in 
in gatekeeping before. No one's ever really led in city leadership before. We were all exiled and now we've returned. But I do see this trend in these guys. They seem to fear God more than everyone else. So don't know if they have the skills yet. Not really sure if they have all of like the, the pre, uh, like the pre training. Their resume is missing. It's got some gaps, but they got this one thing going for them. They fear God more than most people do. I hope that could be said of each one of us. Like I don't have all the skills yet. I don't know exactly everything that's going to be required of me, but I, I do honor God more than most people do. Like God really is the center of my life. And so he appoints these people. I just, I paint this picture for this reason. I would imagine at this point in time that each one of the people who inhabited that city, they felt like we are moving forward. We, 52 days ago, we're a city without walls. Now we're a city with walls, a city with leadership. We've got people appointed. We're clearly moving forward. Maybe for some, as you're listening today, you go, I definitely know that I'm moving forward. And here's why. And you have like a list of proofs that are similar. You go, I'm doing more discipline in my life than I've ever been before. And I'm more excited in my life than whatever that might be. But as they've established the city, the very next thing they do is take some actual honest, true assessment. Look at chapter 8, if you would. Turn to chapter 8 of the book of Nehemiah. I'm going to read this to us. Here we go. Uh, it says this, Then the seventh month came, and the Israelites who had settled in the towns, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra, who was the teacher of the law, to bring out the books of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of women and men and those who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men and the women and all those who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Here's what's happening. They go, clearly we're moving forward. Clearly, we're not where we used to be. Look at our walls. Look at our structures. Look at our system. We have this incredible visionary leader named Nehemiah. He's, he's brought something where there was nothing. But, but let's just take an assessment. Let's look back to the Word of God. Let's allow our motives to be weighed by the Word of God. So Ezra begins to read the, the book of the law. Verse 4, Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform that was built for the occasion. Beside him were a number of men whose names are so hard to pronounce, I'm not going to butcher it on YouTube. You can read them yourself. Verse 5, Ezra opened the book. And all the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. It's kind of a cool picture, isn't it? Here they are, a unified people. They, like moments before, days before, they were just random bakers and perfume makers. But they had done this incredible thing together. And all of a sudden, there was this unity among them. I feel like that's sort of what we're like, Vivid Church. A bunch of random people. And somehow, even over this, this time of COVID-19 and isolation, we have become a vibrant online community. Here we are gathering in house parties and in homes, and we have people in other provinces and other cities and other countries who are gathering with us right now. And we're not shrinking back, we're growing. And, and so he begins to read the word and everyone stands up. It's one of the reasons why even, even today I'm going, hey, just throw that in the chat. Turn to the person beside you, say this. Give me a little amen. There's, there's unity to it. So Ezra begins to read and everyone's like, oh, I'm going to stand in honor of the word of God. I'm going to stand up and get ready to learn. And I'm going to be ready to receive. That was verse five. Look at verse six. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God of all the people. And they lifted their hands and they responded, amen. And amen. Come on, Vivid Church, give me a double amen. Beautiful. It says this, Then they bowed down and they worshiped the Lord with their faces 
to the grounds. Now the, the Levites, verse 8, they read from the book of the law, they made it clear, and they gave it meaning so that the people understood what it meant. You know, this verse right here, I've underlined in my Bible, this has been for me my my core verse in preaching the Word of God. One of the, the root motivations every time I open the Bible in front of a group of people or a camera that will, uh, you know, house a group of people is this verse right here. I want to not just read the Bible, but I want to make it clear and give it meaning so that we can all understand what's being read. This is not just about putting in reps. We're putting in Bible reading reps. This is about actually allowing the Word of God to change our lives. Now I'm getting to my point here. Get ready. So they've been reading. They've been unified. They are assessing. Are we moving forward? We must be. The wall. It's amazing. We're crushing it right now. But as they read the the Word of God, as they read the law, they become aware that they're not actually moving forward in every way. Look what it says here in verse 9. Then Nehemiah the governor and Ezra the priest and the teachers of the law and the Levites who were instructing the people said this, this day is a holy day to the Lord your God. Don't mourn. Don't weep. Because all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Why is that? Here's why. They became vividly aware that they were actually in some ways drifting backward. They became vividly aware, yes, there is forward momentum in the building of this wall. But if I'm getting really honest with the hard issues, I'm not where I need to be. Maybe for some, even right now, as you're, you're listening, for some, as you read the, the scripture, you go, I could look at all the, the growth metrics and I feel like I'm doing so well. But if I get really honest, just me and the Bible... The more God's word becomes real in my life, the more I become aware I'm not where I need to be yet. Imagine this if the group of people said, we just don't want to hear God's word anymore. We want to have another wall celebration. Look at this beautiful wall we built. But you know, the, their hearts are, are turned towards God. They want the best that God has for them. And I, I think the same is true of you today. That's why you're here today. Now, look, I am not saying that you're definitely moving backwards. But I am saying that you you move backwards sometimes. I'm not saying that the momentum in your life is a negative one, but it is sometimes. I know when I look myself in the mirror and I get really honest, I, I know there's times where I am reverting backwards, even though on the outside it looks like everything's going forward. What do we do when we become aware that we're not moving forward the way we, we wanted to? I think the first reaction is usually weeping. It's usually mourning. It's usually this this really gripping reckoning where we go, I'm not where I want to be. And for some, the frustration of having to slow down in this season has been uh, agonizing because you just keep looking at where you'd like to be and seeing how far you are from that. Well, I love the, the leadership that takes place in this moment. Nehemiah and Ezra go, whoa, 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 whoa. Like a moment of revelation from God is not intended to bring you into sorrow. A moment of revelation that God has more for you is not intended to to grind you down and, and make you feel negative. It's actually intended to bring hope. It's actually intended to bring life and vitality. For so many people, as you become aware, there's still areas in my life I need to get moving. There's still some areas in my life that are not yet fruitful. Some things i got to put into practice. It's not God pointing it out to make you feel bad. 
It's actually God pointing it out to bring you hope and to bring you excitement that there's a better future, that the best is yet to come in your life. God still has more for you. And so look at the instruction that's given. And I think it's so critical for us to get this in our hearts today. Verse 10 says this, Nehemiah is speaking. He says, now go, enjoy choice foods, enjoy some sweet drinks, and send some of the, uh, some of that to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to the Lord. Don't grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And then Ezra added to that, and the Levites added to that, be still, for this is a holy day, don't grieve. Here's what I want to speak to you. I hope it brings you as much hope as it's bringing me. That when I'm aware that I'm actually moving a little bit backwards, when I thought I must be going forward, I need to, instead of grieving, just be still for a moment. Recalibrate for a moment. And what Nehemiah says is, I need to begin celebrating. I need to actually begin exercising generosity. I need to begin exercising community. Bring people into my sphere and celebrate together and and, and look at the people who are outside of our sphere and be generous towards them. And then it says this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. What What a powerful promise that the joy of the Lord is our strength. I've heard it said before, and I think it's it's so potent. The joy of the Lord is your strength, and the strength of the Lord is your joy. Think about that for a minute. Why is the joy of the Lord your strength? Why is being happy about God bring strength to your life? Because God is strong, and that makes us really happy. Aren't you happy that God is strong? Aren't you happy that, that even if you're drifting back, God's strength is not inhibited at all? It doesn't ebb away at God's strength just because you and I aren't where we need to be. He has the power to get us there. You know, I think for many people, when we become aware of where we'd like to be and the distance that exists between here and there, we have this thought process, this thought pattern that goes on. I need to get there. And when I get there, I will prove my strength. And when I prove my strength, then it'll make me happy. Do you think that way? Maybe you, you jumped on a scale. And you're like, you know, people are talking about the COVID-19. You know, you're like, ooh, that is not the number that I, I like to be. Here's what I need to do. Get it to the number I want it to be, which will re- make me feel strong. I'll have proved my strength and then I'll feel happy. Right now, I don't feel satisfied. Maybe you feel like this in your spiritual life. Ooh, I've been, I've been, been falling back. Here's what I need to do. Get back to a place, prove my strength. It'll make me happy. Well, here the, the godly example is actually the other way around. Get happy. It'll make you strong, and then you can do the work. Come on, think about that. What, what, what a joy that is. What a grace-filled leadership that God is bringing us through. Get joy first. Joy will actually propel you into strength, and then strength will sustain you in the action steps that you need to take. For so many people, we get revelation of an area we need to grow, and we go straight into strategy mode, straight into list-making mode. Well, I clearly need more discipline in my life, so I'm going to do X, Y, Z, and... Every letter from there, I'm just going to keep on adding to my life. I need to make sure I do everything right. And then it'll make me feel strong because I've been disciplined. And then that strength will lead to happiness. But the Bible just says it's the other way around. Get joyful that God has more in store for you. It'll actually propel you into strength. And that strength, oh, it'll motivate you to action. That strength will propel you forward into all the action that is required to get where God wants you to be. So what did the people do? They actually did that. They got with some friends. They had a feast. They shared some of the feast with people who weren't even invited. What a a beautiful picture of inclusion. So they had deeper relationships that became more diverse, that were demonstrated through 
this type of, of generosity. And then it says this, the second day of the seventh month came. Look at this. Oh, I love this stuff. Verse 13, it says, Then on the second day of that month, the heads of all the families, along with the priests and the Levites, they gathered around Ezra, the teacher, and they gave attention to the words of the law that they had found written, which the Lord had commanded through Moses. And you'll see this, if you wanted to go study it more, you'd see that the first thing they do is they become aware that there was this this form of worship they had not been engaging in. In fact, the Bible says that no one had done it since Joshua's time. We're talking about the moment they entered that promised land that they then established and lived in and lost and now had returned to. Like We're talking hundreds of years of missing the mark. They became aware and it says, so they went out and did that for the first time ever. The first time in their lifetime or their parents or grandparents or great-grandparents. Here, Here's like a one word for it. Revival happened. But revival, it didn't lead to strength, which led to joy. Revival came because happiness led to strength, led to action, led to revival. Imagine if that's that's the equation. Imagine with me if that is the solution that God is leading us into. We just sang about it today. Lord, send revival. Lord, send it now. And if we're not careful, we say, because we're not at revival yet. we got to work harder for revival. And it's going to make us stronger. And then one day we get to enjoy it. What if we just allowed joy to invade our lives right now? What if we got happy about how awesome God is right now? And in that joy and in that happiness, we found ourselves becoming more strong, courageous, and vigorous for the task at hand. And then what if that strength actually propelled us into action rather than I got to do more and it's going to make me stronger. And one day I guess I'll be happier. No, no, no. Joy first, then strength, then action. According to Nehemiah, then revival. He said, this to me is so redemptive because it seems to indicate that areas where I become aware that I'm actually drifting backwards when I thought I was moving forward could be God pointing out an area where I will experience revival. Come on, can you let your faith join with me in this for a moment? What if the area that you're becoming aware of, oh, just not where I need to be, my character is so flawed. What if God's pointing that area out, not to shame you, not to embarrass you, not to leave you defeated, but actually to bring you into a happiness that leads to strength, that leads to action, that results in revival. What if that area that's presently a weakness is on its way to becoming your greatest strength? What if right here and right now that area that seems impossibly lost and far gone is actually the area that God is going to use you to bring His presence, to bring His power, to bring revival? One last thought I want to leave you with today. You know, sometimes I think we can assume if I just got stronger, God would get happier. But God's perfectly happy. His happiness is not contingent on your action. What if it's actually just the other way around? The more I recognize how strong God is, the happier I become. The more I just say, oh, God's actually really got it all? Whoa. I I got hope now. I've got joy now. The, the whole weight of this thing's not on my shoulders. Oh, oh man. Like, like revival is actually possible. Wow. I love that, that as they began 
to experience this revival, they say of God. Look at this, Nehemiah chapter 9. I'm going to close with this today. Uh, Chapter 9 and verse 5, it says, Blessed be your glorious name, God, and may it be exalted above all blessing and all praise. You alone are God. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all the starry hosts and the earth and all that's in it and the sea and all that's in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. It goes on to say, He is a God from everlasting to everlasting. He is a God from the ancient to the future. Maybe you say, oh, right now, I I, I thought I was moving forward. Maybe I'm drifting back. I thought I was drifting back. Maybe I'm actually going more forward than I thought. Well, if you're not really sure, just be still for a moment. Be still. Ask the Holy Spirit. And in fact, that's what we're going to do right now. Just ask the Holy Spirit, God, in what areas do I need to start moving forward? And as he shows you, get happy. He wouldn't show you unless he's going to empower you to get there. And let that joy propel you to strength. And let that strength fuel you to action. And get ready, because that action, I believe, is going to lead to revival in that area of your life. So we're going to pray that prayer. But not only are we going to pray that prayer... I'm also going to encourage you in the practical steps. Don't grieve, don't weep, don't mourn. Have a party and get generous. Like truth, that's how you are still for a moment, is I'm just going to stop, get with some people, have a party, celebrate, look for opportunities to be generous. I'm going to begin to, to prep myself for the action that's coming, not by, by getting stern and disciplined, but by actually experiencing life and levity and joy and allow the joy of the Lord to be my strength. Ready? I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Why don't you just pray this with me? Holy Spirit, would you speak to my heart? Speak to my life. Any area where you desire for me to have forward momentum, any area where you're calling me to bear fruit, I pray that you'd make that clear to me right now. What's the next thing you're asking of me? And I'm stilling myself, and I'm waiting, and I'm quiet, because I want to hear from you. I don't just want my best idea of a plan. I want your plan. And I pray for each one of these people praying this prayer that joy would begin to permeate that exact area of our life, that we would see life coming. And that joy would lead to strength and strength would lead to action and action would give way to revival. Even in this attitude and atmosphere of prayer, if you don't yet know Jesus as your Savior, can I lead you in a really simple prayer? You need Jesus in your life. You say, oh, I'm growing and I'm moving forward and I'm doing everything I need to do. And the Bible says this, that no one's righteous, not even one. No one on their own, apart from the, the grace of God, can experience freedom from their past, freedom from their sin. And so let's pray a prayer like this. Jesus, I repent of my sin. I need your grace. And I receive it today with joy. Would you forgive me? Make me more like you. Right now, if you prayed that prayer, your life is on a new path. God is breathing new life and new hope and new vision into you. And we would love to walk this out with you. There's a, a link in the side. You can just let us know. I prayed that prayer today. We would love to encourage you in your next steps. We all have a next step to take. And for each of us, we're, we're about to, to worship right now. Maybe instead of having our eyes on our perspective, am I moving forward, backward, fast enough, slow enough? Maybe we just need to pause for a minute and be still in the presence of God. Thank Him for who He is. 
and let joy begin to minister to our hearts. I'm telling you one last time, joy will lead to strength. Strength will propel us into action and action will give way to revival. I believe that with all my heart. I love you. I'm so excited for the days that are ahead. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.